seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to episode one, two, eight of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of things affecting gamers at and away from their computers and game tables. I am your host, Taquan Watson, and for 128 surprising episodes, still have my main man, Brian Allen, with me. How you doing, dude? You sounded like, who's that campaign? Is that like something very surprising? Is it Stay Farm where something surprising is about to happen? <laughs> yeah, for real. It's like that, man. I mean, hell, 128 episodes. Like, that is not something I thought I would be saying. Especially so, as I've told y'all all the time, like I've been <laughs> plenty of shows didn't make show number two. So 120 and there's stuff that we thought was going to go for 15, 20 weeks. So to make 128 when this is where we weren't sure we were going to. Yeah, that's awesome. a real deal. Uh, also, we want to give a shout out to show sponsor Cardsphere.com. You should go check them out. They are actually big supporters of a lot of up and coming magic content creators they have a pretty unique site where you can buy and sell cards at the price you want. And it's kind of convenient. So, yeah, you should check them out. They're big supporters of ours and of several other people that are on the come up, if you will. So go pay Cardsphere some love. Also, if you want to show love to the show directly, you can check us out over at patreon.com slash color of magic. And you can get a shout out like our newest patron, Benny Smith II. Welcome on board, friend. Becoming one, I don't know, we're still using peeps till y'all tell us something better. I'm going with peeps. But uh, welcome to being one of our peeps for a bit. Is that Benny of Commander fame? I think it is. I think okay, it's the same awesome. Also, shout out to H.M. Rue, who came on board back in January 2021. So they just, a little over a year of supporting the show now. So thank you for that as well. And then finally, if you want to get some tokens or some playmats and help rock the show and Promote it out at your local stores or tournaments as we start going back to events. Check out colorofmtg.com slash shop. All right. We've got some things to get into this week. Because this was a little bit of a mess. And I had a lot of things I could I could stump on on this soapbox this week. But I'm going with the idiots that for whatever reason, are still bothered by pronouns. Not even pronouns being used, pronouns just being shown or stated. Not even saying like, no, you should call me this instead of this. Just the fact that they appear on a screen under somebody's name bothers folks. Like, what's wrong with, like, okay, first off, and let me, let me, okay, the people I followed up, because when I see complaints, I do do a little bit of research to try to be like, let me see what else this person is into. Let me see who they follow. Let me see who follows them. Because usually there's a pattern. And I'm going to say, in this case, pretty much all right wing supporters. <laughs> Shocking, I tell you. I'm shocked by that. And I, and I say pretty much because there was like two, I think, that I just they didn't seem to talk about politics or anything. So I don't know. Maybe they're not. But generally speaking, this is this is the profile. 
And as I have to tell people often, even the decision to not engage in politics is a form of privilege because that means sure. your life's going pretty well. If you've Absolutely. never, if you never had to inter- interact even with your local government, you've been you've been incredibly lucky. You've never wow. had a parking ticket. I guess there was a lady that posted on Twitter last week about having get gotten rejected from a place because she didn't wear a mask was the most traumatic thing that ever happened in her life. And I'm like, damn, I wish I had that life. Right. <laughs> like for real. But yeah, so here's, here's my problem with the situation really is these are people that one, they pose like, you know, calling the snowflakes and blah, blah, and all this and whatever. But like, you're literally bothered by some words being on a screen and not even like foul words. Yeah, not just offensive hey, words. hey, these words offend you. Exactly. Literally just a pronoun being on a screen is offensive. Like that makes you, sends you into a loop where you got to post tirades, where you got to leave people's Patreons, where you've got to leave negative comments and downvotes on YouTube video. Like what? And actually, here's another thing. And this is political. So y'all might want to fast forward for about two minutes. But one of the things I really came around to this week is when you at least here in the u.s but when you look at the two sides and there's no way to really get i mean this is literally what it is one side is making all their money all their decisions all their backing all their support on the fear of things like things that aren't even happening that aren't even a problem but the idea that this could eventually somewhere 50 years down the road be a problem is how they get all their support Whereas the other side is at least saying, hey, this thing is a problem. Let's address this. Because really, like the idea like, oh, if we do the if people talk about race, if people are using their pronouns, if we allow this thing in schools, if we do. But no proof of any of those things actually having any real weight or ever happening or bothering anybody or anything. But I don't like the And now I'm going to tell you, like the, the realist part that that gets me is i still call people by their irc usernames exactly and i've met these people in person i still use their online names the, i was gonna say of all the people that to have a problem with somebody's pronouns gamers who will happily address you know another grown person is big nuts 316 <laughs> yeah they exactly. have a problem saying that out loud but exactly. they or them is oh god triggered and I ain't gonna lie, maybe because I'm black and I grew up in the South where with a bunch of Hispanic friends, but we all know Nanes and Pookies exactly. and, and, and Chewies and, you know, whatever. Like, if I can call grown-ass people Nook Nook or whatever, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I mean, and now don't get me wrong, there is, and we talked about this off offline, right? Like, there's there is some mental untraining when there are people that still visually present masculine, but want to go by feminine pronouns, right? You have to untrain your brain and like try to address them appropriately. But outside of that, there's really no problem or issue. And I don't even call that a problem. That's just a thing I got to get better about. Yeah. Right. Like that's it. Like it, I don't, Hell, when somebody, I have a friend who's just like, hey, I'm trying this new name on for size. Can you call me this instead for a while? I'm like, yeah, cool. Again, I've called friends so many other dumb names. Hell, I've made up nicknames for people I've known for 10 years because something dumb yeah. happened. And we call them that. So what the hell does a, a, a different name or pronoun or whatever, like how does that affect a damn thing? Like, and if you like the content, 
yeah. that the person or company or whatever produces and it's still good. Okay. Haven't we always let other people pick what we're going to call them? <laughs> you know, exactly. I don't even like, and here's the other reality is if you are just the viewer or the consumer, you don't even ever have to address that person at all. Right? <laughs> so like you don't even have to use the pronoun. So why does it even matter? It only matters for the people in the show or the stream or whatever it is you're watching. Like, I don't, I don't even understand. It's literally a thing that doesn't affect you at all. Like now I get it. If you're bothered because I come up to you and I want to be addressed by something else and we need to have that talk and you're uncomfortable, whatever, fine. Right. But this is literally a person you don't even ever have to address. Like that, that makes the most nonsense of anything to me. But these people, you know, they got to, as we say, give you their uh, airplane terminal announcement that they're departing your socials <laughs> because they don't like that you decided to put your pronouns on a thing. Hell, somebody was mad at me a while back because there was a thing uh, uh, like a little app or something that was made for Twitch where you can have it just put your pronouns on the screen whenever you're in the chat. So I was like, cool, yeah, I'll do that, whatever. People are like, oh, why would you bother doing that or whatever? I'm like, because it makes some other people comfortable and you're still going to call me this anyway. So like, whatever, it doesn't change anything for me. You know, and that bothered some folks. And I'm just like, really? Like, not even like my pronouns are even different. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, this shouldn't bother you at all. But the fact that I had the pronouns up made somebody else mad. And it wasn't even like I was saying you need to call me she or whatever. I, I was still using he and him. But just because they were up and show up next to my name. Oh, well, you're just buying into all this leftist rhetoric, blah, blah. Like, oh, come on, man. Really? Like, if that's what you were worried about and that's what really upsets your life. Like, you need to take stock of, like, how bad are things for you, really? Seriously. Because to see that on a couple of different things and, and and being transparent, this came up because some of the stuff, uh, a couple of videos that recently went up from uh, I Hate Your Deck had some guests on that had different pronouns. So they put them on screen with their name to let people know, like, hey, this is what's going on. Sent people into a tizzy. Of course, then people start talking about it on Twitter and on Facebook and on discords and whatever. And it's just seeing how many people are just bent out of shape about that. I, I, like, just unbelievable. Yeah, of all the problems you're going to have with I hate your dick right now, that's yeah. really not one of them. You ain't lying. Like, there's other things. We talked yeah, about it for a whole, last week. Yeah, they, they got a whole lot of other stuff going on. I'm just like, I, I just don't understand. I, I really, really don't. Understand. Like, I, I mean, I get it. It's, it's the whole ingrained political, got to take sides, whatever thing or whatever. But... This is a thing that literally does not affect you. Not even a little bit. Like, you're still consuming the same content the same way. If they didn't put those pronouns on screen, you would look at that no different. But strictly because, or in my case, just because the, the little box shows up next to my name in a chat, that's enough to send you off the rails. But the other side are snowflakes. Oh, absolutely. Like, I just don't even understand. But, yeah, that that's all I got, dude. That was a bit long. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what you got? 
Well, some weeks these write themselves. And uh, Indiana Senator Mike Braun, as you may have seen, was talking to a reporter about, you know, how some issues that are that are federalized didn't need to be and something should be left to the states like Roe versus Wade. And the reporter, well, you know, what about, for example, uh, interracial marriage? You think that should be left to the states? Yes, <laughs> that should be left to the states. <laughs> Wait, what? Now, of course, after I'm sure Mitch McConnell and some other Republicans reminded him, hey, bro, you can't say that part out loud. He walked back his comments. But, yeah, it's too late now. Now yeah. he's claiming he didn't understand the question. Like, how does one? It's interracial marriage. I mean, there's what else did, could you have mistaken that question for? Well, you know, what? that's just like when that was that political campaign. Uh, during the second Obama run, where they had all the different Republicans up, and one of the women, I can't remember her name, they, inter- they intercepted her at an airport because the report that come out about something, they just asked her, like, have you ever used a racial slur? And she was like, well, that's not a question I can answer at this time, or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you know. yes or no, fool, come on. Like, you know, like, there's some things you just know to say or not to say. Right. Yeah, I saw that on the news. I was just like, bruh, like, and don't get me wrong, I'm in an interracial relationship, and man, I can tell you, they're living in the oh, South. Yeah, was, I can imagine. Oh, there was times we have, and this is a true story. We went into, we've been into a restaurant. They seated us a little further back than you would expect, and we are the only people in that section. Oh boy! And I'm pretty sure that was a pain in the ass for the waitress to have to go right. to a whole separate. But that that was a thing that happened, right? I I've t- I think I've told the story. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I haven't told the story. I wonder if like they they knew their customers. They just knew their customers would have a problem. Oh yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. Like we were effectively denied renting a property. You know, I probably need to tell that story sometime if I haven't. You know, so that's a thing that happened. So when people say like, ah, well, it's already decided. No, there's some people who agree with them. Yeah. There are people that absolutely would want it that way. Which is crazy, but people believe it for and whatever reason. Because, you know, obviously I live in Texas. I have many Republican friends. If you don't want people to think your party is racist, you got to figure out how to purge the people like this guy. Yeah, you got to. And, it, and you, it's always the Republicans. They're, they're, <laughs> I, I, I know Mitch McConnell just has to sit there like every day. Just every damn day, he's got to try to put out a controversy like this. Have you ever used a racial slur? How do you feel about interracial marriage? Just the the, the easy questions, and they're messing them up. You know, that's the thing that gets me. It's not like you're asking these deep political questions or about how you should be spending tax money or blah blah. Like these are just basic everyday things. Like you're getting underhanded pitches and missing them. Like, I'm sure y'all saw Sean Hannity desperately trying to get Trump to say Vladimir Putin was evil and just being unable to make him do so. Dude, not only that, if I mean, I wish I could share the quote. I saw it. The, like, it is the most rambling of rambling. Yeah, like, I think he brought the windmills and cancer back in. Oh, even beyond he's that, just, like, he's just answering, like, well, you know, we we should be you know, helping the Ukrainians and assisting them with power and, but it's like jumbled statements, like weird half sentences or whatever put together. And you almost have to like decode an actual thing. He's trying to say, right. and, and it's we, like, this dude, man had the nuclear football. 
And when people are like, no, he's not friends with Putin, I'm like, I don't know. You made it real hard not to say that. Yeah, I, it just had to be desperate. Like, I'm trying to help you. You ain't lying, man. <laughs> Come on, Donald. Just I, I'll walk you right up to it. That just goes back to when that dude interviewed him and he handed him the charts and he couldn't read the charts. Yeah. Like, that's one just lost me. That Dude, the minute those charts started getting handed over, one of his handlers should have came over and been like, sir, we have an emergency. Right. <laughs> just get him the F out of there. Like, you, I, the minute I saw it, I'm like, this is about to be good. Even like, if you agree with every single one of his political stances at the whole of the conversation, you can't tell me he's coherent and you certainly can't tell me he's well-versed on the issues. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, like, literally, he when you can't read a basic bar chart with only, like, four bars on it, like, come on. Oh, man. But, yeah, politics, man. It was a mess this week. It was a yeah. mess. And and that trickles all the way down to a lot of these places. You know, kind of comes back right. to what we talk about when we don't want to visit certain places or don't want to go to conventions in certain spots or whatever, like, there's reasons, man. <laughs> like, and it's hard to explain that to people that don't know, but like we've talked about it before. There's literally been tournaments or events we've just skipped because yeah. they just don't want to be in certain places at the wrong time or when other events are going on in town or whatever. Cause like you, you know, the history terrible, but all right, we actually have some fun stuff we learned this Definitely. week and this is a bit lighter so brian why don't you tell people what you learned in the past seven days all right the next book uh gonna be published for D is called journeys through the radiant citadel and it's an anthology of 13 adventures penned exclusively by black and brown authors so this is a, a big deal this is a, this is a first and gonna be available june 21st and it really sounds very exciting it's gonna add a mysterious new floating city so that should be fun you know it's kind of interesting because you know we now have this book and the coyote and crow their game just started delivering to people this past week because i heard some people actually got their yeah. copy so it's kind of cool to have these like projects out into the public for the rpg players and yeah, and it okay. sounds like this is not your typical, you know, D and D location where it's overrun by demons and crime lords. Like this is a place of happiness and hope, and that's definitely going to be a different kind of setting. In addition to the cultural diversity that we're going to see, yeah, I think what'll make that interesting is just like what type of adventures do you write, right? When it's not we have to stop the village from being destroyed by ancient whatever, or yep. you know, we have to go defeat this monster in this thing like what are you solving right are there societal things you're having to fix or is it trying to find certain items to help i don't know uh help with certain rituals or whatever you know i i think it's it'll be neat just from a alternate adventure type perspective e even despite kind of the cultural background of all the people who wrote it i think just from a gameplay perspective they've at least gone in a whole different direction which would be kind of cool yeah because i mean we've all played D D, you know warcraft whatever but it's always like hey we need to go defeat the monster right we need to go stop this cataclysmic event you know whatever so i'm, I'm kind of on board with that i think it's a, it's a pretty cool idea and now we have multiple you know what i really hope is that, I mean, we already saw Coyote and Crow raised a bunch of money on yeah. Kickstarter. So 
if their thing's now a success, and I know several retailers that are trying to get copies of it now as it's starting to hit distribution, and let's say this D&D book is a big success, does this come back to our other conversations of like, hey, you keep saying enough people don't relate, but every time you do this, it makes a lot of money. Yeah. You know, I mean, at some point, you're going to have to acknowledge that. Like, it's hell, we're just now reaching that in Hollywood. Yeah, it's almost like people want to see people that look like them in media. Who who, who knew? <laughs> Brown people do. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> try to tell you. It's, it's like we said, you know, when you look back at Black Panther and how absurdly right? big that movie was in multiple countries. Yeah. You know, crazy, crazy rich Asians. Yeah, I was about to say crazy rich Asians. So that, that movie was very good. Yeah. I mean, seriously, if you have not seen it, any listeners, you might be like, ah, oh, whatever. It's it's a thing. I'm probably not going to relate. Go watch it. It's it's basically like a new telling of Romeo Juliet, whatever. It's that whole style of, of yeah. storytelling. But it's very well done. And all the actors are excellent in that movie. Totally Shang worth it. Shang-Chi also made an incredible amount of money and opened yep. up, you know, a whole a, a whole other you know, corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just watched that uh, last week, actually, and that was really good. Beautiful movie, too, toward the end, yep. like some great visuals. But it's just like you keep saying, you know, as, as a I say they, but they, you know, as a group saying, oh, well, people don't watch us or people don't relate or it's, you know, there's not enough market share. But but it's like not true. Hell, Tyler Perry made billions of dollars basically putting on the equivalent of a fat suit and being a big old grandmama. Yep. And now he owns literally the largest studio lot for recording in the country. His place down in Atlanta is bigger than what they use out in California. Yeah, I think Walking Dead is doing pretty much anybody that films in Georgia probably has used part of that complex. So, like, you can't tell me this dude that he did the blackest of black shows. Right. <laughs> For real. Like, And the secret is almost nobody else is doing it. Usually when the new Medea movie comes out, it is the only movie in the theater that has a majority black cast. But, you, but the difference whole, was he treated them seriously. Like, he, and even his TV shows and stuff, these sponsors, you know, whatever, or, or directs and produces. Right. He he writes real stories just with darker skinned characters. And it's not because, you know, we, you know, because you know as well as I do, we were growing up, you got stuff like Pootie Tang or whatever, <laughs> right? What like, I tell you, what I tell Yeah, exactly. Ain't <laughs> nobody like that it never had a shot. You know what I mean? It was like, it was funny to a certain audience, but realistically, nobody ever expected that was going to pop off. Like, it was like so many of those Saturday Night Live sketches that were funny for five minutes had no business being a two-hour movie. Exactly, exactly. It, but there was a lot of that, right? So I think when people look at that, it's easy to say like, oh, well, look at all this that failed. But it's like, okay, cool. Give a real director a real opportunity with a non-stereotypical role and let's see what happens. And it's kind of what we're getting with this, with this D&D project, right? Like, okay, let's get some all dark skin writers and let's write a completely different type of D and D book series, right? We're going to write a bunch of adventures that aren't your typical D and D adventures to show that like, Hey, you don't have to make these all related to my background, right? These can appeal to a lot of people and be a different gaming experience and be appealing to lots of folks. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board with this, man. I think it sounds cool. 
I mean, I might. I mean, I'm gonna buy a copy just to support the effort, right? Being real, but I do still play some D and D, and occasionally it is cool to have some different adventures because, like, not every not every session or whatever you want it to be this big over the top rumble, you know, whatever. So I like the idea of being like, hey, I've got different level adventures now I can go to if I want an in between thing that is a little bit lighter or especially when I have newer D&D players in my group. It's like, okay, let's go with something more flavorful, more than like hard numbers rolling or whatever that you have to keep up with to get somebody in their groove. And this could be a good book for that. Now, what I discovered, and it's weird because I feel like I knew this, but then now I know this, (laughs) is that the original Smash Brothers could technically go to a bar with me now. Man, I'm like you. I think I do that, but man, it makes me feel old. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that crazy to even think about? I believe it's like 22 years old now or so. And like, that's that's pretty wild to put in perspective. Yeah, no, because I I got a son in high school and I know he wasn't around when the first Smash Bros. came out. So as much as it pains me to admit it, I know it checks out. Yeah, exactly. See, And, and what's even crazy, there are people that play the newer stuff or in some of those communities that either weren't born yet or weren't old enough to even play the first one. Like, that's crazy how long that license has really gone on and and not just gone on, but like stayed super relevant. Yeah, and they didn't want to do it at first. Like, wait, Mario punching Link in the face? Why would we do that? Yeah. Sounds wrong. It's weird. Like, sometimes you just get the right thing that triggers the right emotion among your community. It has the right feel, and it just carries itself. I mean, mean, everybody's doing it now. You know, Nickelodeon just launched theirs. Uh, Warner Brothers is doing one with all of their, well, It'll eventually probably have all of their popular characters, and they have actually made Ultra Instinct Shaggy part of the game's canon, which is great. That's hilarious. (laughs) They embrace the meme. But yeah, I mean, it's wild to think about, though, you know, all the games. Like, we were just talking about not long ago, like, you know, Street Fighter having its 30th anniversary or whatever the hell, right? Yeah. I mean, Pokemon's coming up on their 20, or just past their 25th, I think it was. So it's like, all these licenses that came out when we were younger, it's like, no, they're still relevant. Yeah. And it's crazy, you know, to like uh, stuff I was playing when I was a kid, still relevant when I have kids and we can share the experience. In case you wonder, you know, why Nintendo is awesome. (laughs) Exhibits A, B, C, not that it's just Nintendo. I mean, my kids love Sonic. But, but I think that's the thing is that, when just like you're saying you had kids and now they become of age there's things you can enjoy with them that are still around that you have nostalgic attachment to knowing that they can appreciate the newer technology or newer technological version of it like that's pretty cool and and it's one of the things i think is unfortunate about a lot of products we get today especially in like music and stuff like i don't think a lot of creators are thinking about, okay, is this something somebody's going to enjoy four years from now, eight years from now? You know, are they going to enjoy it with their kids? Is this going to be used in movies and video games down the road, right? I think a lot of that goes by the wayside when sometimes it's these like slow and steady, like become cult classic type things wherever that you're going to make money on for, at this point, decades. You know, hell, practice. I mean, really, 
hell, we talk about magic all the time, right? Yeah. It's coming up on its 30th anniversary. It's some, it's sometimes it's hard to tell because you did when you go back and interview some of the people that started these things. They, like I, I went to a convention and we got to watch Ghostbusters with Ernie Hudson. And, uh, you know, he was looking at all the people, you know, because many people were in costume. And he told them, the equipment, y'all, you know, the stuff y'all have as your cosplay is probably better and more expensive oh. than what we had in the movie because they For didn't sure. think going to make any money. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Nobody had ever made like a, a kind of horror slash comedy like that. Oh, dude, that reminds me. I remember one year at Gen Con, I saw this dude's, uh, I guess it would have been the Boba Fett outfit. And he had this little LCD readout screen on it, like recording his heart rate and blah, blah, and all that. And I'm like, what the hell? Right. Like, it was way better than anything that Lucas would address somebody with yeah. on set. And I'm like, damn. And I start, and dude's like, oh, yeah, this took me like eight months to build and blah, blah. And, you know, and I had to learn to do all this stuff. And I'm like, golly, y'all are y'all are dedicated, you know? And that's part, part of how Lucas is able to get the rights to everything Star Wars related because it's a sci-fi movie. It's not going to make any money because before that, most of them hadn't. They were all, you know, like plan nine from outer space, basically. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it was that and and what is it? The Harrison Ford movie with that. The yeah. yeah, that was it. And that was at least decent. You know, yeah, that was pretty good. But even with that, it didn't make, you know, Star. It's a cult classic, but it didn't make so much money. They're like, oh, man, is, we're going to build it. It took, what, 30 years for it to make a sequel? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's it's cool. Just seeing all the stuff that, you know, if you really go through and start making a list of things that are over 20 years old, it's a pretty big list that are still relevant and and this is you know and the the bad part of that is it does make it hard for new items to compete yeah you know because i think that's one thing we don't talk about sometimes is that you know if you want to make a fighter game or a card game or whatever like there's several players in the field that are long in the tooth yeah that have established communities and websites and you know daily articles and stores that support them and whatever like it's it's a hard it can be hard to crack into if you're new. I was reading an article the other day about how you know the record industry is panicking because uh, they're they're losing artists you know such as uh, Tom Petty somebody you know that's gonna sell out stadiums for fifty years plus. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they, the, the, a lot of the modern art. I mean, who, who would you say is out now that will still be able to sell out a stadium thirty years from now? There's not many people like that. Oh, yeah, that, that was my whole point, right? Like, I mean, you have some that I could see. Could Beyonce do. probably would yeah, still exactly. be able to. You're talking about, like, the Beyonce, the the Bruno Mars probably, you know, but, like, it's a small list. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it might be eight or ten people, you know, maybe a couple from each genre. It's, it's not a lot. I mean, I don't think people think about that. Like, it's there as much as we like having these other – games and personalities and products that live for that long yeah it can also be difficult you know because uh, a lot of business gets based around those things i'm a huge country fan i'm thinking like we probably got what garth <laughs> george Strait. Twain still performing is she still touring uh, I, th I think she she's she does vegas so yeah she's still, okay. still, you still got that at least yeah but yeah i was thinking there's a I, I can even tell you there's a new card game that reached out to me 
today to possibly do some stuff helping promote when they go on Kickstarter and stuff. And I'm just kind of looking at it going like, I don't know where we're going to fit in the market. Hell, Flesh and Blood is trying their best to make inroads right now. And, you know, it's still got some fanfare. They had a couple of big events, but even on the local store level, I'm already hearing some places it's fallen off a bit. You know, so I don't know, man. It's, it's a tough time. But yeah, go celebrate. Smash Brothers, if you weren't paying attention, it celebrated its 21st birthday without you. <laughs> but let's get into the rest of the news because uh, we got some things. So we kind of have a Twitch thing and a pseudo-related Twitch thing. So I'm going to kind of keep these in the same category, sort of. But the first thing is Twitch decided they were going to start sharing boosted, and I'll put in quotes, that you can't see, uh, hype trains, which nobody really wanted. <laughs> right? <laughs> this, this is a weird thing because... Twitch swears you asked for this. <laughs> Yeah, like because because hype trains already exist. This is something they introduced like early to middle last year, right? Where basically, if you get at least three people within a five, or you can set it to five, three, five, ten, whatever. But the low setting, I believe, is if you get at least three people within a five minute window, I believe is the time frame that if they either donate a hundred bits, subscribe to the channel, or something else. Uh, it will trigger a hype train. And then for every five people you get, it goes up to the next level and you have five levels. And then everybody who donated during any one of those levels gets a special emote that you can only get from the hype train. And they rotate those out, I think, like every six weeks or something. Which, all fine and good. People support you. Maybe somebody who was on the fence sees there's a hype train. They want to get a special emote. They're like, cool, I'll toss you a dollar and I'll get an emote or whatever, right? Seems cool. But now they decided they are going to use the hype trains to promote people. So supposedly, if I read this correctly, once your hype train, hype train triggers, you will be added to some type of queue or carousel to make it to where you will be featured for a, some number of a couple of minutes or in a rotation with other people for a couple of minutes so that people potentially find your channel while your hype train's going and, you know, people are excited and spending money with you or whatever. They tried to use creative language that like, well, since your community is so excited about you, we want to make sure other people see you and, you know, that whole thing. But the problem I had with it is they basically said, without saying it, they're like, oh, we've had the ability to promote low-level streamers or give you more discoverability. We just didn't really want to do it till we found a way to encourage you to get people to spend more money to do that for you. Which feels a bit dirty. But it also is in line with everything else Twitch has done for the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, basically every time we're like, hey, here's this thing y'all should do and it would really fix a problem. And they're like, that sounds cool. How about this other thing that we can make more money with? <laughs> you know, that's literally the whole MO. Like, hey, there's this thing that's breaking on your site. You should do this. Like, yeah. But have you heard about this thing so you can get people to pay to have more emote slots? Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, that's basically what it's been. Even when they do their own live streams to explain stuff. It's like, hey, we were thinking about fixing this thing y'all told us about. But before we get to that, let's tell you about this other thing that's going to help us make more money. And just like, come on, y'all. Like, it's it's becoming almost its own meme joke at this point. <laughs> like, really? 
and this doesn't address the fact that you already make less per membership or per sub on Twitch than you get on Facebook gaming, than you get on YouTube, right? It's just like, you're not addressing the most borderline things. And realistically, the hype trains, nobody's going to, I would put money on the fact that you're not going to increase the number of hype trains more than one or 2% because people either spend the money to do it or they don't. It's not like me looking at my chat going, hey, y'all, it'd be really cool if we started a hype train so possibly more people find the chat today. Uh, people that are going to donate are going to donate. You know, people that are going to subscribe are going to subscribe. Like maybe every once in a while it might work, but that's not really a thing you want to have to do as a creator. Does it there and tell well, for us to get featured on Twitch, y'all should give me more money. Like that even just sounds weird. <laughs> Although I've heard streamers say it. I know, yeah, it I know. Some people will. Some people will. But it's just like such a weird thing. Like, so to get Twitch to promote me more, I need y'all to spend more money for me right now. Right? Like it's just it's kind of weird. It's like a weird ad campaign for yourself. Well, people do it in church. Yeah. Pass that offering plate. You know what I mean? It's uh, <laughs> Trevor, which comedian has the reverend make me rich? But yeah, that's what, kind of, that's what this reminds me of. Yeah, it's just such a weird thing to offer. I just don't understand. Or multi-level marketing scheme would also accept, you know, uh, Avon. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of has that feel to it. I'm I'm mostly ignoring this announcement because, like, you know, I get a hype train that fires off maybe once a month. And it goes maybe to two levels, which isn't fi- bad. I mean, like, you know, I'm not upset about it or anything. But, like, if it goes up and we get promoted and I get some extra views, great. If I don't, great. You know what I mean? Like, it's literally not going to affect my streams at all. I'm just not even worrying about it. It's it's a really weird thing. It, and the way they worded it sounded very disingenuous. Trying to make it sound like it was a huge benefit for you. And it's like, no, this is just a hype train that you're just trying to get me to promote more. Like. It's weird. We swear people ask for it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Some some executives probably ask for it. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird. And plus, you know, seeing that they made whatever hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever last year is like, I don't know. I get such a weird thing. But anyway, just want to make put that on people's radars. But also Twitch related. And this is something I'm bringing up just because it's been part of multiple conversations that we need to stop using stream views as being a measure of success and being indicative of anything positive or negative going on with the company, unless they, we know for a fact they're actually making that one of their pushes or goals, right? Because that, that is a thing. Like if you were trying to push people to stream and you're doing all this extra to get people to watch streamers play your games or whatever, and people aren't, okay, that's, that's either a gaming problem or a marketing problem. But if it's just day-to-day business, then the stream numbers don't really mean all that much. And to put in perspective, we were looking even just before the show, and I brought up a a bunch of different things while we were talking about it, but taking something like Magic, where you have, I think at any given time, like right now you have about 5,000 viewers online, which doesn't sound like a huge number, right? But... When you consider the fact that a game like Raid Shadow Legends, which their budget has to be infinite, 
This, yeah, they sponsor. It's a meme. They sponsor everything. Oh, yeah. I could literally, I don't know if you've seen Google Foods, crazy ass show where the dude does a bunch of stuff like dry aging, Wagyu beef, and all this other crazy stuff. He's had videos sponsored by Ray Shadow Legends. <laughs> they everywhere. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, their, their budget has to be in the millions for advertising every year, whatever. But even they only have not even a full 2,000, 1.9 thousand online. So they've got basically 40%, less than 40% of the viewership that Magic Gathering has online right now. Now, does that mean that Raid Shadow Legends is doing terrible? I doubt it. Like, if they're able to spend money like it's going out of style, and they've been doing that for years now, they're probably doing okay. Right? But we can't really use those numbers to be indicative of anything. When you're looking at something like Legends of Runeterra, the game that everybody says like, oh, well, Runeterra has this and I've played for this long and I have a full set of whatever, right? That's the thing people bring up that they want to say, oh, well, Magic should be modeled after this. They don't even have 1,000 viewers online. Hell, they don't even have, they have 691 viewers online right now. And to put in perspective, if I look at highest to lowest, their top three combined make up two, three, four, about 450 of those 691 viewers. So the average person streaming their game is getting basically nobody watching. And there's only even what looks like maybe 30 people streaming it. So it's like, are we going to say that Oh, well, everything Runeterra is doing is amazing and it's blah, 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 whatever. But yeah, sure. But it doesn't have the engagement. And we I've quoted before, like they're not making this nearly the same amount of money. So like, are those things they're doing better or worse, whatever, based on the stream numbers? Not particularly. Again, they have different targets or doing different things. Their, their communities are different. You know, people engage with the games differently. But I still think it's at least worth bringing up to have those talks. Right, of saying in some cases the stream numbers matter and in some cases they don't. And we have to be aware of that because I think looking, because again, we look at, we can look at magic stream numbers from last year. You know, they trended downward, not like in drastic numbers, but definitely trended downward. But they had their biggest sales year ever. Obviously, those things don't correlate with one another. You know what I mean? So it's like, we can't just keep saying like, oh, well, streaming numbers, blah, blah, whatever. This is effective. Well, this is the most popular game with the most views. And but like, I mean, really, at one point, Among Us had a, tons of people playing. But it wasn't like Among Us was making a pile of money because you bought the game for $5. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which, don't get me wrong, they were a small independent group, whatever. They probably did well for themselves. Yeah, because if you hey, a few million people and get you five dollars, you're still doing pretty good. Yeah, but even as far as being a cult like game and having 12 million followers on Twitch, they only have 1.1 thousand viewers on right now. So it's like, eh, what are what are we, you know, basing some of this stuff on? And then you know, when you talk about different games, some of them that do have big numbers are really being pushed by one or two streamers. You know, some of those personalities are carrying a big chunk of that workload effectively. You know, if I look up something like Hearthstone, right now has big numbers, right? They've got almost 19,000 viewers online. However, if you look at the top seven streamers for them, they're carrying 
about all 55 to 60 percent of the viewer load so like while the game has a lot of viewers they're mostly tied up in like just a handful of people and they've got such a following now that if they wanted to go play team fight tactics and put that at number one they could just by their just by their presence or whatever game they said hey let's all go play this they could put that game over just because their audience is going to follow them to almost anything they play yeah they very well might i mean that's that's a real thing and i think that has to be taken into consideration on some of these too so it's very interesting you know i I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way to read the numbers. Sometimes just I would say, look at the numbers for what they are and then understand what drives those numbers. Because, you know, when people want to quote the peak numbers for Magic and Arena or whatever. Well, yeah, because they were out there on every single platform telling people, hey, we're doing a million dollar tournament. We're promoting on all these websites. We have banner ads on every single nerd thing, you know. They were embedding video everywhere and doing all. Okay, cool. Your numbers are going to spike and look crazy. But once you quit spending that kind of money, now you're just getting just the magic players watching. Because before people were watching out of a curiosity, right? There were some people yeah. that played other games that were like, ah, if I can win some money in this, let me check this out, right? So you're getting some people coming over and looking at it. But then, you know, you stop getting all those extra eyeballs because you quit spending the money and you focused it elsewhere. Like, that makes sense. Now, the downside would have been, had we seen those ads popping up everywhere and doing all those things and all the news articles and whatever, and then your stream numbers didn't go up, then we'd have been like, ooh, something's wrong. You know what I mean? Because at the corporate level, you will spend at that point probably two, three million dollars in, in ad revenue or whatever, trying to get stuff out there. And then you wouldn't have got a return on that. And I was like, okay, well, now what's the deal? So yeah, I, I don't again, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to talk about streaming numbers. I think that is relevant, especially to somebody who may be looking to get into streaming and looking to stream certain games and understanding the marketplace. I think there are there is a relevance to those numbers. But don't just look at those numbers as being a good or a bad thing for each game because they don't tell nearly the whole story. And that does bring us to uh, something else we want to talk about. It's going to be a little touchy for people. One of the things people like to talk about when it comes to arena isn't just their stream numbers, but how tough the economy is for people, especially trying to get into it or build stuff for stuff like uh, historic that require a bunch of different sets. So Wizards decided they were going to do a, I don't know what you want to call it, a state of the economy stream but they decided they were going to share last Thursday. And in their announcement, they had said they're basically going to explain some things in the economy of arena. And I kind of read that for what it was of just basically, all right, we're going to tell you why we do some of the things we do. Yet. I think a lot of people took that as being like, Oh, they're going to announce some new things or they're going to explain some changes they have coming or whatever. And I kept warning people and saying, it doesn't really say that anywhere, that this is the purpose of this stream. And boy, were they disappointed. Because not much changed. Now, I will say there are a few things, a couple of quality of life things they announced that were pretty nice, or at least are coming soon. You got answers to a few things, like will there be, be more historic anthologies or whatever? Like, yeah, those are coming. But the one thing that stood out, which I knew as soon as he said it was going to be a talking point, 
And to me, kind of summed up the whole thing that I don't think they completely understand the user experience is having a $50 package for effectively 16 wildcards, 12, uh, 12 rare and four mythic, which in and of itself isn't awful. But the problem is it's basically a representation of what you would get had you just opened roughly that amount in dollars worth of booster packs. And the problem I have with that is that you've actually made the $50 package worse because <laughs> you're getting either two or three, I guess, depending on the randomness, more wild cards in the $50 package. But you're not getting all those other rares you would have got opening all those booster packs. And then all the commons and uncommons you would have got also go towards your vault, which could eventually become more rares and mythics or whatever, right? So you're paying roughly the same amount of money for a couple more rare wild cards, but you're not getting any of that other stuff. And in some cases, because you're opening the booster packs, you might actually open some rares that you would be about to spend wild cards on. So you might actually have extra wild cards when you're finished, right? So I didn't really understand that. And then the other problem was that you didn't announce, like I, it would have been better to announce it as a smaller package, right? Let's say for $15, you get, I don't know, what's that? Four rare wild cards and one mythic wild card. So if you just need to finish off a deck and you're a couple of rare short, you can just go buy $15 worth of gems and boom, there you go. And that's affordable, right? That's a thing like this to me. And Bless the dude. Like he's he's a lead developer or director or whatever. He's, <laughs> did he's, you just did you just drop the bless his heart? Did you I just did. go southern? I did. Just for those of you that, that, that are southern. <laughs> oh, for real. Like the bless his heart. Like y'all go look it up. Y'all understand after you. But that's the southern, like, poor boy. Like yeah. but he is not a PR person. You know, and for him to throw out the fifty dollar thing, I knew immediately that was not the thing you wanted to do. Because really, you could have marketed it as well, we have these twelve to fifteen dollar packages or whatever you could buy that have this many wild cards and blah blah blah, and you can just finish off your decks. You don't have to go open packs or whatever anymore. Boom, awesome. But if you want a bundle, we'll give you a slight discount. You know, from instead of being whatever that'd be sixty dollars if you bought them four of them, you can just buy a fifty dollar chunk and you can get sixteen wild cards or whatever. Right? Boom, easy sell for people. But the problem is, you basically said, "Hey, look at this cool thing we have that." isn't really that much better than the other thing you can buy and it costs as much as a whole other video game. Like, that's not going to sit well with nerds. It's just not. Like, it was just a bad idea to roll it out like that. And then, on top of that, like, they kept bringing up, like, oh, well, we want to preserve the pack opening experience and, you know, the collecting experience or whatever, which makes no sense because if you've ever opened packs in Arena... When you get to open packs in chunks of 10, it's awesome. When you randomly get down to like your last seven and you have to click each one of those, you don't give a damn. You're just clicking to get through, get the cards and move on to the next thing. There's there's no pack opening experience anybody cares about. There's just not. Like, and, and not to insult anybody there at Wizards. I mean, that's just the reality. It's just like nobody cares online. It's not like it's when you open a booster pack in person, it's visceral, right? Like. You're, you're tearing the wrapper and you're sliding through the cards and you're like, oh man, what's the rare in the back? And you're like, there's a thing. But online, that's really not a thing. Even when you do pack up extremes, you don't feel like it's a thing? No, I'm usually just talking <laughs> while I'm doing it. You know, if I'm doing arena pack openings. 
it's it's not really a thing because you there's really no there's like at least if there was like here's my problem if you're going to do it make an experience out of it let it slide through cards to reveal your rare at the back or something or whatever you know what i mean give some anticipation to it other than just the rares in the middle and it's like oh i can click it and it turns around like that's not you know or the collector experience when you go through your collection in arena it's pretty bland and it's just sorted by color and by cost. That's it. Like it's, it's not, it doesn't give you options to organize in a cool way. It doesn't put all your like fancy uh, cosmetics or whatever secret layer things you got in a certain section or nothing. It, you've de- like, so it, it felt very disingenuous because the things they were even saying, they're trying to hang their hat on the game doesn't, do anything for that and that's why i was like okay this this is somebody just scrambling around for words to justify what we're trying to do here because ultimately it's not i mean like i said there's no pack opening experience there's no collector experience hell we just now got to where supposedly coming soon on one of the updates you'll get to have your favorite lands or whatever so when you go to deck build it'll put those lands in first instead of you having to go through like eight pages of basics <laughs> to find like the one yeah. like oh i have the godzilla secret layer land i want to use and i have to go figure out where it is every time because every set adds four to eight or whatever new basics i have to right. Wait through, right even that was just like it took hell what's it two and a half years three years to get that put in there and it's like come on like and and here's the biggest thing for me and i was telling somebody this on another podcast yesterday is we're dumb as humans we're just wired for dumb things. <laughs> but if you just fixed all the quality of life things, you could charge us more and people, fewer people would bitch about it. Like, you know, as, well as I do, like we've all had a friend or two that was pretty effed up at some point, like did dumb things, said dumb things, whatever. But we'd look and go like, you know what though? This, they're a good dude. Like he's helped me in this situation. He paid like, because you know what? He built up that positive equity and we go, yeah, he's a little dumb, but <laughs> you, you know, you know what I'm talking about, though. Even everybody listening, you know, you have somebody at some point in your life where that was a case where you knew there were some things kind of questionable about them. But you were like, mm, but, but I know they're all right. You know what I mean? That's kind of the same Bless thing. Bless their heart. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Bless his heart. Right? But seriously, like if Arena fixed a bunch of the quality of life issues, fewer people would gripe about those other things because there's no, no I positive. think people would continue to gripe about the economy because it's pretty much industry worst. No, people would gripe, but I guarantee you it would be less. Because I, uh, I've, I've even seen it in real life scenarios where people have gone to stores and they gripe about the price the store's charging or whatever. But you know what? They renovate. It's nice inside. Everything's good. Charging the same damn prices. Nobody says a word. Because uh, the, present, the presentation's better. It's friendlier, you know, whatever. And they justify it to themselves. People will still be mad about it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying complaints go away, but it hits harder when they're already unhappy about stuff. Yeah. And that's just the way humans operate. Like if we're already unhappy with the thing or something already bothers us, the next thing is amplified. And then the next thing is amplified. So they're not doing themselves any favor. Because there's a bunch, I mean, hell, I've done YouTube videos on it, yeah. right? There's, I did 22 quality of life fixes in 22 minutes in a video. 
Like there is plenty we could fix and make people happy, and they have done none of those things. And like Actually, you said, if, the, if if you were waiting for the if if anybody thought you were going to get the dust cards after they're like, no, <laughs> it ain't coming. No, that ain't a thing. That's never going to be a thing. And I'm okay with that. If you're just giving us wild cards, whatever, fine. But you got there's other things around wild cards we could just do better. That's the problem. But you're yeah. okay with never getting to be able to, to, to destroy this card. You're never going to play and get a card that you want. You're totally cool with that. I am. But it's because you're giving me wild cards, which other games that allow dusting don't have wild cards. But there are other but things. Wouldn't you can- rather be able to just to go ahead and just to take the thing you're never going to use and get the thing that you want? Nah. Because it, it, it's usually it's never a one for one dusting thing. Like I've done it in Hearthstone. Well, no, I, I agree it's not one, but still, yeah. even I gotta still, get, I got to get rid of multiple things. And I have had the experience in Hearthstone where like a new set comes out down the road, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna build this thing, and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have those cards anymore because I got rid of them three sets ago or whatever, right? So that that does happen, and I get that. But like I said, because you're giving me wild cards, I'm fine with it. My problem though is. We have a lot of problems with how we deal with wild cards, especially when it comes to now stuff getting rebalanced or banned or whatever, or, you know, certain things having uh, duplicate protection and some things not, you know, like those are all the other problems I have. Like if we fix all those, then I think I have fewer, even fewer problems with wild cards, but to not give us dusting and have all the issues with wild cards, that's where my problem is. But yeah, I don't know. There's some things coming down the road. They did at least announce that there was going to be what sounds like Pioneer Light or Pioneer-ish. Uh, my guess is it'll be as a lot of those sets get programmed and put into Arena, they'll get added to the format. It's a but tiny house on the prairie. Basically, basically. But we're at least going to get that, and that's a good sign, and it sounds like it's not, it's going to be... I guess it's, the way he described it is at least accept the fact of they understand there needs to be a digital equivalent of a paper format that's not just standard so hopefully if it goes the way we want at least you'll have a format that you can play and test and do all the stuff online with arena and it won't have digital only cards and the stuff in it so that'd be kind of nice so there was like i'll call them small positives that there were two or three in there some nuggets if you will (laughs) that were okay but Generally speaking, there was nothing really to come out of that. I mean, there wasn't anything groundbreaking. There wasn't like there was, like I said, a couple little tidbits of news, but otherwise, it was just them answering questions and giving you the answers we kind of already knew. So, yeah, a little disappointing, but is what it is. So, Brian, I'm not sure if you've heard, but uh, there's a new Harry Potter game out. Oh, I have. I've. Well, is it out yet or is it being? Uh, I, I think it's just releasing. Okay. And uh, that kind of created some interesting dialogue online. And for those of you that don't know, uh, the Harry Potter creator, she's all on board with being a transphobe at this point. It's been news for a couple of years now. So, it's, I mean, again, you may not know. At least now you know. You're listening. The thing, though, is that creates this kind of ugly situation of people who were former in a lot of cases uh, Harry Potter fans but are still they've played all the Harry Potter games or whatever up to this point and they're kind of curious and want to play the new game but you know they've been asking people even public like hey does that makes me transphobic 
if I decide to play this game. And that's it. And it's I like. I I don't feel like it's just as black and white as a lot of people want to argue for. Like me personally, I'm not going to play the game just on principle to not support the ecosystem that she is part of if I can avoid it. I mean, I've talked about it before. I, I, I have a Ravenclaw shirt that I've even been looking at and going like, is this time for me to just throw this away? Because I'm probably not going to wear it anywhere anymore. You know, just just because of the insinuation and the imagery that it portrays if I'm out wearing it. So, uh, but I also see the other side of the argument of like, is somebody, like, it's hard, right? It's, you know what this is? I just realized it's, this is like those people that are like, well, yeah, I support the gays, but man, I can't, I can't quit Chick-fil-A. Like, you know what I mean? It's those people is what this is a little bit. So I don't know. How do you feel about it, Brian? I mean, to me, like the, 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 the unfortunate thing is that in an ideal world would be like, okay, yeah, if you don't buy this game or the books or the movies or whatever, she didn't get any money. Problem being, JK gets paid up front before you get the rights to use Harry Potter. So by the time this game is at the shelves, she's already been paid. If you're not buying it, you're, you're not hurting her. Yeah, I, I'm more looking at it as like future endeavors, right? Because if the game is highly successful, then they probably go back to her, write her another million dollar check to be able to make the next game or whatever. But for the most part, you're right. Like she's she's at least got her big chunk of money up front for the game to even be released or hell, to even be worked on and maybe yeah. get the release. So yeah, I, I don't know, man. And, and I've talked to a couple of my trans friends and they're kind of in the boat of like, it does make them uncomfortable if people they know and support them or their efforts are also supporting Harry Potter related products. And I totally get that. It's totally justified. Yeah. I don't fault because that's the whole reason I kind of don't want to do anything with Harry Potter because like, I don't want to be unsupportive of my trans friends. Right. So I get it. And, and it's a tough life. Like, and, and this is, it's hard because I think what we forget sometimes about these is like, even though she's been awful, her product was hell for some people, the core of their childhood yeah. and their nostalgic, you know, formative years. So it's hard to cut ties with that for a lot of people. And I could, I get it. I really, and cause like, for some people, that's the only reason they're into fantasy stuff. Yeah. That's the only reason they learn to read. You know? I, also, like, I also think about, you know, what Will Whedon, somebody was talking to Will Whedon about the whole Joss Whedon issue and how, you know, he used to watch Buffy with his dad, had great times, and now he feels bad about it. And Will basically told him, look, you shouldn't, you know, have to give up your memories of your, of your, of your dad and watching Buffy together because, Will, because Joss Whedon is a trash person. <laughs> that's not fair yeah. to you. <laughs> I feel you. He's right. He's right. And that's the thing, too. I don't think people should. I mean, I'm kind of in your boat, right? Like, you can't really just say this part of my life never happened. But I think it's. Again, for me, it's that whole. I support the gays, but I, I can't quit Chick-fil-A thing, right? It's like. Knowing what the Chick-fil-A owners did. And what they do with their money 
you kind of are going against the gays if you're going to Chick-fil-A. And the owners haven't been very secretive about it, you know? Not, not secretive at all. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's, uh, you know, you kind of are going against it. And that's kind of why in this argument, I lean that, like, you kind of are going against the trans folks. Now, now last time, I, I last time that we had that discussion of, hey, where do we want to eat? You know, somebody said Chick-fil-A. And I'm looking at my friend like, did you, you know, he, he's gay. Are you trying to make him buy Chick-fil-A for all? Because because he, he had agreed to buy. And he's like. I'm hungry. I don't care because he's really I've talked to him about numerous things. He while he is gay, he is in no way an activist for anything. That's not his personality. That's cool. And you know, if somebody didn't want to be, I'm not going to try to make him hate something or someone. You know? I ain't gonna lie though, that's kinda cold. If you got a gay friend, it's like, where should we get food? Like, we should go to Chick-fil-A. Yeah, like, I was horrified like, to try like, like, no, you shouldn't. And I promise you, he wasn't just because I've talked to him about other things, like, doesn't this upset you? And no, it doesn't. He just doesn't care. And I get it. There's some things that people have come to me and said that, like, hey, did this thing that happened in society or this game store or whatever like bother you? And I'm like, nah, it's it's whatever. So the yeah. next time I'm with that same group of people, the same I'm gonna like just say you know, whatever. Yeah, it's it's and everybody's gonna be and we've talked about it on the show before. Like neither of our opinions represent other black people, yeah. right? Like other people you run into are gonna see things completely differently. I mean, hell, I've had whole conversations about people about me not caring about dreads, and for them, it's a die on a hill thing. You know, so I get it. There are all types of issues that are gonna be different to people within the same groups. But yeah, this this one's this one's a tough one because I think people it, it's tougher for people because they have such ingrained emotional attachments to Harry Potter. And I think that's what makes this so effed up for a lot of people. But I would say this, and this is just my opinion, having spoken I it's not like I spoke to a lot of trans folks. I'm gonna be trans, it's five people, you know, like so <laughs> I'm just being transparent about it, but the consensus was you are welcome to do it if you want to, but know that your trans friends are paying attention and they're not going to be as comfortable with you as they were before. Not that they're going to hate you or dislike you, but you are losing some of that trust and consideration. And I thought that was totally fair. Yeah. You know, I, cause same thing we've said before, Right. There's some messed up things people can do right on the edge of racism that we're like, we're not saying you're a bad person yet, but we're keeping you on the watch list. (laughs) You know, like, so I get where they're coming from. Like, you might have done a lot of good things. You might have supported me, whatever. But this is a thing, you know, I have an issue with and you're still playing with it a little bit. It's going to look a certain way to some people. So, you know, do it that what you will. We're not here to tell you what to do, but. I'm just opening up some perspective from some different people I spoke to where it does actually affect them because, you know, truth be told, this isn't a thing that affects me and you directly. So Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to put my two cents in for other people. Now, an interesting thing came up in our Discord, which, by the way, if you want to be part of our Discord and get to suggest things for the show, be part of cool conversations, you should go be a patron because everybody gets access. But it came up that uh, some people might want us to do a Q&A episode where they can have some input and interact with us directly. I don't know, Brian. 
That, what do you think about that? I mean, I'll do it if you do it. Well, that's the way only way it really works, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I could just say hell no. You can't you can't you're not even the same area code. You can't force me to do it. Well, it's it's like I'm gonna drag you up here to it. Yeah. No, but it, it was pointed out, you know, some other shows have done some things different ways. Uh I I kind of was talking over some different methodologies that we could use for it. But you know what? I'm kind of curious. Anybody's listening, hit us up on on Discord, hit us up on on Twitter. Let us know if you'd want to participate. You know, we can make something available. Maybe we do it in the Discord. Hell, maybe we do a uh, what is it? The new thing Twitter has where you can do it's a big voice chat thing or whatever. Uh, some type of presentation. We could do that. There's a few different ways we could do. we could do a a live stream on YouTube. You know, if people want to participate that way. So there's a few things. Uh, if y'all are interested, yeah, we could do something where we talk about some of the topics we've had on the show and let people get more specific or ask us certain opinions on other things we may not have talked about yet or whatever. If everybody's into it, I'm down. You know, it's not something yeah. I really... It, it feels like one of those things... And I've kind of done this a couple of times through my content creation journey. It's like kind of undervalue... Man, I don't even know if that's the right term. But basically just not give enough credence to what people would be interested in or the size of my reach or community that people would care enough to want to have that interaction. It's always crazy that the thing that you think nobody would care about is the thing like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, and I'm totally for it. And that's why I tell you, everybody wants different things. And that's why I always ask questions, because I, I never know. I mean, I was down at the Hunter Burton thing a couple of weekends ago and I had people who wanted me to sign things and take a picture, you know, and I'm, I'm not all that big by internet scale, you know? <laughs> so like, I mean, it was cool. I totally did it and had fun. No problem. I was not bothered by it at all, but it was kind of like, if me just taking a picture makes you happy. Yeah. yeah I know. It's, I mean, it's I don't know bizarre. why you want a picture with me, <laughs> but like, you know, I'm down. So, yeah, this kind of falls in that same space, I think. But, yeah, totally. But, yeah, seriously, if you're listening to this, let us know on Twitter and the Discord. If you're down, we will try to schedule something and make a a live show of some kind happen for everybody. Because I think that would be cool. But now it's time for the dinner table. And, uh, Brian, this is kind of an interesting question that I think is. is and I, I don't know your answers. You don't know mine. We really haven't talked about this at all. So this will this will be a fun conversation, but I'll let you go first. But what are your are the first most memorable black characters for you in nerd culture that weren't just stereotypes? The first that comes to mind is Bishop from the X-Men. It is a cool dude from the future. He wouldn't, you know, he, for all, he wouldn't call Black Bishop <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> that that's usually the case. He, uh, he really was just, the, the fact that he was Black had really nothing to do. He's just a cool soldier from the future that was here to find the X-Trader. The fact that he was Black was really not even a thing that was discussed all that much because he was from the future where, okay, you know, Racism wasn't as much the problem as like, hey, are you a mutant? You know, which I guess technically is still a form of and a metaphor for racism. But he's the when you when you ask the question, Bishop is the first person that came to mind. It's like, yeah, it's it being black has nothing to do with his character, really. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't really thought about it, but I guess Bishop would have been an early one for me as well. I hadn't that wasn't really one that crossed my mind. Uh, 
for me, the first one was actually a black character, but it but it wasn't wasn't Bishop in a comic book. It was actually in a Stormwatch comic book. I don't know if you ever saw that. That was an image book yeah. written by, or actually, I think it was by Jim Lee, actually, because that was after. For people that don't know, Image started with I think it was like four writers, an artist that left uh, the other DC and Marvel to do their own studio. So it was like McFarlane, Jim Lee, uh, Mark Silvestri. Uh, a couple other dudes. But uh, Stormwatch is actually a pretty cool book. Uh, the leader of the group goes by a battalion. Both of the characters' name is Jackson King, which, you know, of course, that part of the name is stereotypical. But yeah. it was actually pretty cool because he got to lead as basically a space operation group, which is pretty cool because that's not something you got a lot of times. You know, all the space shows to that point that we watched didn't have any black leaders in them, you know, for the most part. So that was kind of cool. And the fact that the group he led was pretty diverse. You know, matter of fact, that was the first gay couple I remember seeing in comics was two people that were part of his team or whatever, which is why recently when people are like, oh, this is the first like gay thing in combos. I'm like, uh, no, there was this yeah, thing from like 96, 97 or hell, right. 94 that y'all are just ignoring. You know, that was the thing. But yeah, and, and that stood out to me, you know, and it's tough because I think when people and I don't even know if it was just like the representation itself for me, I think it was just like, Oh, this is cool that there's a black dude leading a space operation because that's just a thing that I hadn't yeah. read much of or seen. And it just didn't happen. And I don't think it like changed my perspective to be like, Oh, well I could be an astronaut or whatever. There's nothing. And I think that's what people think about when you say representation is like, Oh, it makes me, it puts me in the mindset that I, but it's like, it just shows that there's another option or there's another way we could write the story or another way I can be included in a certain narrative or whatever. And that opens the doors for other things. It doesn't have to be the exact same thing, but at least makes that possible because, you know, prior to that, unless you were like in a TV show watching, you know, like we said before, like the Huxtables or whatever, yeah. you know, you had stuff like, uh, what's his name? Mr. T is B.A. Baracus in the, yeah. the A.T. or whatever. I ain't getting on this plane, Hannibal. Yeah, exactly. All right, B.A. Here, drink this Kool Aid. Okay, but no, I it was it was plane. it was milk, wasn't it? Wasn't like milk was the thing that put him down. It might have been. Or or you had like what was it Love Boat with the dude with the afro? That was yeah. that dude's name. That uh, Isaac, I think. yeah, Isaac. That was the dude, right? You had a lot of that stuff, and it was just like, okay, so seeing some different faces in entertainment, I think, was a pretty big deal. Because even when I was getting video games or whatever, you got like, what was his name, uh, Balrog or whatever in Street Fighter, right? Yeah. Like, you you got the generic the black character was always a boxer. Yeah, or like some athletic thing or whatever. Like it's just like, all right, you know, you kind of knew what to expect every time you saw it. And that's why when Street Fighter 2 came out and then it was like, oh, you could get like Dalsim that's like totally different or whatever. Like, OK, well, this is kind of cool. Yeah. And I think those things start to mean stuff to people. But I think that was, you know, when I was thinking about it, the battalion character, I think, was the first one that like stood out to me. But I was and, and I think there's probably others, but I think that's the one that like was so different enough that even even without thinking like, oh, I can be in a space. It was just like, yeah. oh, this was kind of like jarring that there was a black guy on a cover that wasn't, 
you know, again, stereotypical background, gangster, blah, blah, whatever. It was just like, no. Black Battalion. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What's the name Black Battalion, right? He's just on the cover. He's in this suit. He's got his team around him. I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty damn cool. And, you know, then the second episode didn't come out for like four months because Image Image had had release schedule when they started. <laughs> uh, that's, that that, that's sadly that's almost industry standard now. Where you'll be just major like Green Lantern. I know it's, it's, I think every book has gone through that stretch of like, hey, it just ain't gonna come out for three or four months. They're cool. Oh, dude, no. Some of the early image books were bad. There were some that like came out and then you didn't get another episode for like nine months. Like it was it was a tough time for a little bit there if you were a fan. You gotta have good creators to get away with that. Yeah. But yeah, if y'all haven't read it. Go check it out. Stormwatch. It's a pretty sweet book. You can probably pick up. Actually, I know you can pick them up. They're out there somewhere because I have the trade paperbacks of a few of them. But yeah, great story. Really fun. Really different is the biggest thing for me than you get of a lot of other comics. And I think that's the reason I enjoyed it so much. But yeah, um, I think that's going to do it for this week. We're kind of over time already. We're at an hour and 15. So Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, YouTube, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. I want to just say thanks for all the support as I'm starting to hit a couple of milestones on a few different platforms. So thank you all for that. But as always, wherever you are listening, whenever you are listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your families out there. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base 